the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Let's pray as we get into God's word this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your eternal mercies. Thank you, Lord, that when we meet like this, your spirit is ready and willing to bless us. In this service, speak to our hearts, change us, equip us, shape us to become the kind of persons you've ordained us to be. Thank you that everyone watching this service now or may watch it thereafter is changed and transformed by the power of your word. And they are equipped for all-round success and excellence. In Jesus' matchless name, amen and amen. We want to get into our teaching, which we began think about. This is the fourth part of a series. We started teaching on attitudes for altitudes. And our text is from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. I will read verse 5, and then I'll read verse 9 to 11. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Then, based on the attitude, because of the attitude we are told, therefore, verse 9, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. May God elevate you to higher heights in the name of our Lord Jesus. You are seated in Christ far above principalities and powers. And may you continue to enjoy the benefits of that divine elevation in Jesus' precious name. Now, the Bible said Jesus had a certain attitude. And that attitude he had was what ended him at the place of honor, at the place of prominence, at the place of greatness that he ultimately ended. The Bible said, therefore, because of the attitude he had, God also exalted him and elevated him above his companions, about his compatriots. Our attitude matter a lot. If Jesus needed to adopt the right attitude in order to assume the position God had ordained for him as man, then we need to understand that we cannot downplay on attitude and expect to become all that God wants us to be. Many of us have great dreams. We have great dreams for our marriages, great dreams for our careers, great dreams for our spiritual lives, but the attitude with which we are approaching those dreams always makes it very difficult, if not impossible, to be able to attain our dreams. And what I'm seeking to achieve with this series is to help you to cultivate and develop the right attitude that is required in order to match your dreams to your reality in Jesus' precious name. That's basically what I'm seeking to do in this teaching. And I want you to follow through the teaching to the very end. And I trust that your life will certainly not be the same again. In our earlier teaching, we looked at 
8, what an attitude is, we said, is a sum filter of your thoughts, words, and actions. That is it. Your thoughts, your emotions, your words, and actions. These are the things that come together to form your attitude. And I shared with you eight great truths or great insights about attitude. A couple of weeks back, we looked at the origin of our attitude. Where does our attitude come from? What is the origin of our attitude? We explored that. And last week, we touched on what your attitude can do for you. And we said, among many things, your attitude will determine whether or not you'll be a success or a failure in life. 80%, 85% of what determines your success in life is a function of your attitude. 15% is aptitude. 85% is attitude. And I pray that the Holy Ghost, who is giving you as your helper in life, will help you to cultivate and develop the right attitude required to see you succeed and attain God's purpose and plan for your life in Jesus' precious name. We also said that your attitude enhances your gift. All of us are gifted. All of us have great potential. But if we don't develop the right attitude that supports our gift, there is no way our gift can bring us to the place God has designed to bring us to. The Bible says a man's gift makes way for him and brings him before great men. How else? Can our gift bring us into places of prominence and keep us there? Except our gifts are enveloped in the right attitude. And then, of course, we also looked at the fact that your attitude responds to the challenges and the problems in life. Life is full of problems. Problems are simply inevitable in life. In problems are opportunities. In problems are blessings. But if your attitude towards problems is wrong, If you don't have the attitude that is able to confront problems head on and overcome them, if you have a defeatist approach towards problems in life, there's no way you're going to make it. And so that's why we said attitude is powerful because it shapes your approach and response to the challenges of life. And then, of course, we said that the quality of your life, which is defined by the quality of your relationships, is also defined by your attitude. So The better your attitude, the better your relationships. If you are the forgiving type, you enjoy harmonious relationship. If you are the type who harbors stuff, who finds it difficult to let go, who easily get offended, it makes it very difficult for people to get along with you. You have limited friends, and at the end of the day, you are not able to enjoy your life the way God wants you to enjoy your life. Today, our teaching is a question. Is your attitude an asset or liability? Is your attitude an asset or liability? When we say something is an asset, it means it's something that has value. An asset is something that has value, a valuable person or a thing. When your attitude is valuable, when your attitude can bring value to you, it makes you weightier. That is an asset. An asset is something that brings you great returns. Great returns. If you have a land, if you have a house, it's an asset. If you have a car, it's a liability because you end up spending and spending and spending on it. You spend on repairs, you spend on fuel, but if you have a house and it's built, you literally earn from it till the rest of your life. So there's an asset. An asset is something that appreciates in value. It doesn't depreciate in value. It constantly appreciates in value. That is an asset. And if your attitude is such that it always makes you appreciate in value, that is an asset. There are some of us, our attitude always brings us down. It sabotages us, it stops us, it's not able to make us make progress. 
We are not able to attain our dreams because of our fearful attitude. What kind of attitude do you have? Is it a liability or is it an asset? That's what we want to explore. And my main focus is to help you turn your attitude, which is a, a liability, into an asset. Everyone wants to have an attitude that is an asset and not a liability. The ability, on the other hand, is a drawback, is a handicap. A liability is a burden, something that limits your progress. You want to move fast, but when you have a liability on you, you are not able to move past those liabilities. An action that exposes you or makes you a greater risk. Liability is something that is a risk. It enhances your risk factor. Okay, so that is a liability. Now, I want you to appreciate that your attitude is either a liability or an asset. It cannot be neutral. Your attitude is either a liability or an asset. It cannot be neutral. You cannot say that as for my attitude, it's just neutral. No. Everyone's attitude is either a plus or a minus. That is how attitude is. It's either good or it's bad. It can advance you. When it's good, it advances you. It moves you forward towards the direction of your goals, visions, and dreams in life. And then, when it's negative, it also sabotages you and stagnates your destiny in life. Which one is happening in your life right now? If we look at the man Daniel, he was a man who had an unusual attitude. And he became an outstanding guy because of his unusual attitude. Let's look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. And he pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was found in him. Now, it was Daniel's attitude that set him apart. He became distinguished, not because of his guilt, but because of an excellent spirit he had, which is essentially an attitude. He had an attitude of excellence that set him apart. When they were looking for three people, he was first to be chosen. Why? Because his attitude was unique. He served almost all the rulers that came in the Medo-Persian Empire. Everyone saw him as relevant because Daniel had an excellent spirit. He had an excellent attitude. What is the nature of your attitude? Is it an excellent one or is it a poor one? Is it the one that brings you great returns or is it the one that makes you depreciate in value? What kind of attitude do you have? Daniel had an excellent attitude. He was such a wonderful staff that the day his colleagues conspired against him and he was sent to the lion's den, his boss could not sleep. Daniel's boss could not sleep. He was such a valuable staff that his boss could not sleep. The king had all the comfort and the pleasures he needed to sleep, but he could not sleep because an, a valuable asset like Daniel, a valuable employee, had been arrested and had been placed in a lion's den. What a man. May you become such a valuable asset wherever you find yourself. May you be a valuable asset. May you be a valuable person to your spouse, to your church, to your community, to your place of work. May people find in you value, great value, such that they will do anything to have you around them. May you become that kind of person in Jesus' precious name, even as you develop the right attitude. And then, of course, we also see Apostle Paul. 
seeing a man like Timothy. Timothy was a spiritual son to Apostle Paul, and his attitude was matchless. He secured a special place in the heart of Apostle Paul because of his unique attitude. How unique was Timothy's attitude? He gives a brief commentary of it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to see to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others only care for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. Impeccable guy, an uncommon Portuguese. That was Timothy. He was such a unique guy. His kind was rare. He was a rare, uncommon associate minister. That was Timothy. Paul said there's nobody who thinks the way Timothy thinks. His attitude is different. He has a unique spirit around him. May you be such a kind of person to your pastor and to your team of workers that you are working with. May they find in you a unique personality. That was Timothy. He has such a unique attitude of a servant. His servant heart was different. He was selfless. He was devoted. And above all, he was very loyal. Nobody could match the loyalty of Timothy. His attitude set him apart. Paul had many compatriots and comrades in his journey in ministry. But one guy he constantly referred to was Timothy. And the reason why Paul spoke largely about Timothy was because he had a unique attitude. All right? Whether your attitude becomes a liability or an asset, I want you to know this morning that it's a choice you make. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your offspring will live. God is a gracious God. He says before us two great things, life and death, and then because of his love and matchless compassion towards us, he also tells us what to choose. Is it not kind? He could have just decided to leave us to make our own choices. But because he loves us so much, he says, choose life. And if you choose life, it's going to affect your offspring. I also came to tell you today, choose a positive attitude. And if you do, it will affect your generation. If you do, it will affect your relationship. If you do, it will affect how happy you find yourself, how joyful you are, how successful you become in your quest in every area of your life, whether it's in business or in your spiritual life, in your finances, it will influence it positively or negatively. Your attitude really do matter. All right. Now, since attitude is this important and it can be a liability or an asset, what can we do so that we can make our attitude always an asset and not a liability. I'm sure you would want to have answers to that kind of question. Like I told you earlier, I want to encourage you to really buy this book. It will be a great blessing for you. Most of my introductory thoughts, which has formed the basis of the four-part teaching I've done so far, including this one, most of those thoughts came from that book, The Difference Maker by John C. Maxwell. He talks about attitude. Six things you can do to make your attitude an asset and not a liability. Six things. Number one, if you are going to make your attitude an asset and not a liability, you first of all must accept responsibility for your attitude. 
Yes, you heard me. Accept responsibility for your attitude. Accept responsibility. We began by saying that our attitude is a response. 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 The way we respond to life, our emotional response, our mental response, our physical response to the challenges of life, that goes a long way to establish what our attitude is. It's a response. And unfortunately, a lot of people, rather than respond positively to life, they would rather want to blame other people for the happenings in their life. The oldest and the most dangerous game in life is the blame game. The oldest and the most dangerous game in life that people play is the blame game. It started all the way from Genesis chapter 3 verse 9 to 13 when Adam and Eve. The Bible said God came to Adam and said, where are you? He said, I heard your voice and I was afraid. He said, how did you know that you are naked? He said, the woman you gave me. He put the blame. He started blaming God and then Eve came. Eve blamed Satan. He blamed the serpent. And since that time, every human being who came from Adam, and all of us came from Adam, the Bible said, through one man, sin entered into the world, and death reigned through all, the same thing. Adam was the first man, and everything he did was credited to our account. The same way Jesus became the second Adam, and every good thing he did has been credited to our account. Adam's sin was first credited to our account. And so all of us are prone to play the blame game. And if you want to go far in life, the first thing you want to accept or the first kind of attitude you must have is a sense of responsibility. Accept responsibility for your life. You remember the one talent man. His story is so pathetic. When you read Matthew chapter 25, verse 24 to 30, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. We are talking about talent. We are not talking about the character of your boss. You have been given something to trade with. You have been given something to do business with. Give us account of how far you went doing business of what was given you. We are not asking you to give us commentary or your opinion or what you know about your boss. That is not the matter. The matter was what did you do with the talent I gave you? And because this guy lacked a sense of responsibility, he said, I know you master to be a wicked man. You reap where you have not sold and you gather where you have not reaped. And then the master zeroed in. He said, listen, it's not about me, it's you. Your attitude is poor. You are lazy, you are wicked. And I'm going to show you where lazy and wicked people must go to. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. May you not end up in outer darkness because you fail to accept responsibility. There are things people will do against you, you can't control it. What people do against you or for you is not something you can control, but you can always control your response towards the things that happens to you in life. Life is 90% our response. What happens to us is 10%. Our response will form 90% of it. And if your response is good, the outcome will always be good. That's why you have to accept responsibility for your attitude. You are always moody. And you say it's what people are doing that is making you moody. Mrs. Wife or Madam Wife, please accept that it is you. Accept responsibility. Don't blame anybody and allow them to control your attitude. How you feel, what you think should be owned by you. Own your attitude. Take charge of your attitude. The second thing you can do in order to 
turn your attitude into an asset and not a liability is to assess your present attitude. What is your present attitude? Are you a cheerful person? Are you the person that easily forgive? Are you the person that easily gets along with people? Or you are the bitter, suspicious person? Never trusting anybody. Always thinking that people are scheming about you. Is that your present attitude? Because you see, until you honestly review your present attitude, you will know the lapses with your present attitude so you can take the necessary steps in order to improve on it. So don't lie to yourself. I like it when the Bible says, be not deceived. Don't deceive yourselves. The Bible says, God is not more whatsoever a man sows. He reaps. You have to take charge of your attitude. And it begins, accept responsibility for your attitude. And then look at your present attitude. Look at your present attitude towards people, towards money, towards God, towards church. Look at your present attitude. I like it when the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians, examine yourselves. There are some examinations. Other people set the questions for you. But this particular examination, you have to set the questions for yourself. And sometimes there are people who can also give us feedback, honest friends and family people in our lives. Church folks, they can give us a feedback of our attitudes. And this will only be positive if you have a good spirit to receive them. Most of us don't like to be told the truth. And if you are that type, then you have a difficulty receiving feedback from people. But when it comes to assessing our present attitude, sometimes feedback from people can help us know. And then, of course, your own self-awareness, what you know about yourself. You know that maybe per your temperament, you have the tendency to be more negative. You always see the negative side of things. Your mind is always working in the negative mode. You have to look at that. Assess your present attitude and do so honestly. The Bible says, consider your ways. Don't deceive yourself. Don't make yourself forgiving. Don't act like you are the type who easily let go. When you know that you find it very difficult to let go. Because it begins with honesty. Be honest with yourself. Number three, cultivate the desire to change. Cultivate the desire to change. One of the things I've seen, is that most of the time, almost everybody as a pastor, almost everybody I meet has a desire to improve their lives in one way or the other. Almost everybody. One of the things that usually people forget is that to any improvement, for you to experience any new or positive improvement in your life, you must be willing to change. You must be willing to give up something in order to gain something. It's always critical. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 1, it says, Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermediate with all wisdom. Desire, 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 desire. When you have a strong desire, it will give birth to strong decisions. And when you have made strong decisions, the determination will also be released to back it. And then you can see yourself getting to your destiny in no time. But desire is critical. A man sat at the pool of Bethsaida for 38 years. 38 years. 38 years at one spot because the desire for change was not strong. When the desire for change is not strong, we can give you a million years, nothing will change. You have to understand. You cannot grow until you are willing to change. In fact, growth is best defined as change. Anything that grows changes. 
Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away, I gave up childish ways. Now, some of us, we have grown in age, but we have not given up childish ways. We are still carrying toys around, toys of moodiness, toys of uh, uh, always depending on others to help you. Oh, no, 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 no. You are too old for that. At your age, you don't expect to be fed with a, a bottle. No, you must be able to cook a meal and feed it to yourself. It's so, so, so important. To grow continuously means to be changing continuously. And that is very vital. You must have a desire to change if you want to change your attitude. Because no matter the positive attitude you aspire to have, until you are willing to let go of this old negative attitude, which means change, there is no way you can embrace that. And where would this change begin? I wrote here, I said, until you are willing to embrace positive changes as a lifestyle, you can never grow to fulfill your full potential in life. Until you are willing, until you are willing. The Bible says, if you are willing and obedient, you eat the good of a land. Until you are willing to embrace positive changes, and I mean positive continuous changes as a lifestyle, there is no way you can fulfill your full potential in God. And I pray that the grace of God, which is always abundant unto us, will be released upon you, empowering you to make the necessary changes you need to make in your life. And all of these changes begins between your two ears. That is your mind. So you cannot change your attitude without changing your thinking. If you are going to change your attitude, you have to change your thinking. The desire to change must first of all be directed to your mind. Because what you think forms the basis of your belief system. And your belief system will always influence your feelings. Your feelings will lead you to places of decisions. And your decisions will determine your actions. Your actions, when they are repeated, they form your habit. And your habit eventually becomes who you are and your attitude. They form the basis of your attitude, essentially. So we cannot change our attitude without, first of all, addressing our thinking. When you think that people are good, your posture towards people will be good. When you think that people are out to get you, you are always suspicious of everybody. When you think that people are not trustworthy, you will never, never, never give people the room to build up trust with you. You are always suspicious of everybody you are dealing with. And the more suspicious you become, the more uncomfortable you become. Because in life, if you are going to grow big, you have to learn to trust somebody. And if you are the type who cannot trust anybody, that means you have to do everything by yourself. And that may kill you before your time. So you have to learn to trust somebody. So our thinking, the Bible said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Norman Vincent P. He wrote a book on uh, the power of the plus factor. He said one time he visited a certain place in Hong Kong. And as he was working, he saw a, a tattoo studio. And in the tattoo studio, they had displayed a number of tattoos that one could go for, for the artist to do it for them. And one of them he saw, which struck him, was written, Born to Lose. Born to Lose. And when he saw that, he was so moved, he couldn't understand that a human being would have that Born to Lose tattooed on his body. So he walked in to the artist and asked him, do people come for this kind of thing? He said, <laughs> the guy just, uh, in broken English, 
responded to him and said, yes, people do come. Then he made a statement that stuck with Norman Vincent P. He said that before tattoo on body, tattoo on mind. He spoke broken English. Before tattoo on body, tattoo on mind. In other words, you cannot change negative behavior until you change negative thinking. That's why scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How else would your life be transformed? From being a bitter person to a cheerful person. You can only do that by changing your thinking, changing your thinking, changing your thinking. That's why mental renewal is the process that as a believer you can't take for granted. How you think, it's very, very important. And the scriptures forms the syllable for our thinking. For whatsoever things are true, Philippians 4, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What are those things? All of the virtues he's talked about, they, they describe the word of God. So if you can embrace the word of God, your mindset will change. God's word will fill you with a mindset of possibility. God's word will fill you, will give you a good perspective about people. God's word will show you how to relate with people when you are hurt, when you are offended. It, it shapes your life. So you cannot think better other than the word of God. There are books that you can read to help you and challenge your mentality. But no book changes your mentality other than the word of God. Other books may challenge how you think, but the one that transforms you inside out is the word of God. That's what the Bible said. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth, but you must meditate day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you make your way prosperous and you have good success. Of course, when we change our thinking, we must go a step further to develop good habits. Good habit, good habit, good habit, good habit. An action repeated consistently becomes a habit. If you want to develop the attitude of gratitude, for instance, one of the finest habits you can develop is a habit of consistently saying thank you. Anything anybody does for you, no matter how big or small, learn to say thank you. That is the first step to cultivating and developing the habit of gratitude. It makes you a grateful person. Sooner or later, people will see you and they look at you and you are different. And it's because you have consciously formed the habit that makes you the kind of person you have become. We are creatures of habit. Everything you do is a product of habit. And that is the same thing with our attitude. We cannot develop positive attitude without from developing positive habits. 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 And then finally, as I close today, is that you must review your attitude daily. Review your attitude daily. Because attitude is so important and it forms 80% of the ingredient required to make you a success in life, you can't take it for granted. Review your attitude daily. Review your attitude daily. The Bible says, Galatians chapter 6, verse 3 to 4, For if any man thinks himself, thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. You have to test it. Test your attitude. Check it. At the end of the day, look at how you spoke to people in your office. Look at how you manipulated your husband throughout the whole week with your negative attitude, sarcastic speaking. Look at it. You have to review your attitude. Review it. When you review it, you see where you are making progress, where you are not making progress. And of course, I'm not saying review it to condemn yourself. Review it to know where you are. 
so you know how to pray, how you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you in the areas of weakness. I believe that if we consciously embrace these things and we practice them for that matter, we will become people whose attitude is an asset and not a liability. I pray that the grace of God that is needed to make you make the positive changes, accepting responsibility, renewing your thinking, and then a daily conscious practice of reviewing your attitude. May that grace be your portion. And beginning from today, may you become the person you have always wanted to be, that cheerful person, that joyful person, that courageous person, that bold person that can confront any situation and rise up to become the super success God has ordained you to become. I'm glad you made it, and I trust that you work with the word of God and not a hearer only deceiving your own selves. God richly bless you. I look forward to having you join me same time next week. And next week, I'll be getting into specific attitudes. God richly bless you. I don't take your time with me for granted at all, and I trust that you've been blessed this morning. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. You are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no, no, no.